Welcome to the Heal and Restore podcast, where we engage in open and honest conversation about spirituality, marriage, family, and the struggles and victories we encounter on this journey we call life. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a new, happier, and healthier you. Now, here's your host, the power couple, Randy and Kathy Boyd. Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Heal and Restore podcast. I almost did it again. I'm still getting used to the Heal and Restore podcast after doing Healing Courageously podcast for almost two years. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's different. Got to get used to it. So I'm going to turn this over to Kathy here in just a minute. Today we're going to be talking, of course, again, uh, this is a month of we're talking about recovery tools for life. And today it's going to be a little different. We're going to be talking about um, recovery tools for the emotional healing after a catastrophic physical event mm-hmm. and Good. i'm gonna let kathy introduce it and she's actually going to interview me today is what she's going to do yeah just, we'll just put it the way it is so at this point i'm just going to turn it over to kathy and let her do her thing and i'm going to just be here and awesome. answer questions as she wants them okay sounds like a plan i feel like i'm uh, got so much power today Oh, <laughs> oh, do I have power every day? You're a woman. I know. You, and, and I don't care what any guy says out there. As macho as they want to be when we're all together, men are all together. Most women in a married life does have the power. <laughs> Today, I, I feel just like saying. I have extra power. Yeah. So, no, I, you know, being the month of, you know, recovery, life recovery tools, we've had a, a couple of really great guests, really good friends of ours on sharing their experience, what tools work for them. And um, we as a couple experience, and some of you were around when this happened, and some of you may not even be aware of it, but um, we experienced, experienced something back in 2007. Now, mind you, I'll, I'll first start off by saying that Randy got sober in 2006. So honestly, oh, yes, yeah. uh, thank God, because as I share this story, I am forever grateful that he was sober when this took place. Um, but this was our first experience of anything uh, big happening in our lives after your sobriety started. Mm-hmm. So in, uh, I was May of 2007 and leading up to that, Randy had had a couple little surgeries where he had some hernia repairs with mesh, um, had a few little issues with those, but all in all, he was back to, to normal. And then in May of 2007, he had the whole gallbladder acting up. And so, um, it was determined that he needed to have his gallbladder removed. And so it was before Memorial Day weekend, just to kind of give you an idea. Um, I'm the, thinking May 7th. No, no, no. That's too early in the month. Oh, okay. Memorial's at the end of the month. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's my story, honey. No, you your story. <laughs> it was towards the end of May uh, before Memorial yeah, Day yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that the surgery itself was probably a Wednesday or Thursday uh, before Memorial Day Tuesday. weekend. It was Tuesday. That, you want to tell the story? I'm just letting you know. It was a Tuesday. Okay. You can tell the story, but I'm just helping so, you out. Okay. Thank okay. you. <laughs> can you tell we've been married for a while? <laughs> Anyways, the surgery took place right before Memorial Day weekend and everything went fine until it didn't go fine. 
And long and short, we had a beautiful, amazing angel of a nurse who was very adamant and persistent with the doctors because Randy started going downhill really quick. Uh, he had a fever. Uh, there was an infection, didn't know what was going on, and finally got him admitted down into the CCU at the time. I don't know if they still have those departments, but CCU was the critical care unit. Um, and I think it's different than intensive care. I think it's even mm -hmm. a step above an intensive care unit mm -hmm. um, where he it was soon found out that he his body was septic um, and he was full of infection. And within a couple of hours of complete organ failure, things were, were beginning to fail. So he was in a coma for two weeks. He spent two weeks in the critical care unit. Um, every tube, every line that you can think of in his neck, his arms. It was, it was very, um, it was a very difficult place to be. I can remember sitting in that room and I'll just share a little bit about my part of it here. I had a notebook and this is probably the first time I really took to journaling. And I know we've talked about journaling being such a great tool. And I'm sharing this because for me, this is what I needed, but I was able to sit in the corner of that room as he laid there um, in a coma and just journaling my feelings. And one of the things that kept coming up is, God, I'm so grateful that he was working out. I mean, working out as much as he was, because I really truly think as, as he starts sharing his part of it, that took a, uh, that is one of the things that helped him to recover. And it was a long recovery process, but I, the journaling definitely helped me in that moment. Um, I was sharing my frustrations. I was sharing the things I was grateful for. Um, and I really didn't know where we were going, how long this was going to be. So um, they tried to move him out of that room into a regular room, um, but he was still super sick that they brought him right back to the critical care unit. And I want to say it was about four weeks. Um, they, his team of doctors, there was an inter, uh, internist, uh, um, infectious disease doctor, his surgeon, there was just a bunch of them decided that he needed a higher level of care. And so they opted to move him to UCLA via an ambulance. And um, so off he went to UCLA. And so here I am at home. Our kids were all out of the house. So it was really just me and the dogs. And I'm trying to figure out how am I going to make this work? Um, actually, our daughter was still home. Well, her her and my sister-in-law made it well, work quite well because she went rummaging through my pockets when I was in the hospital. And I, at that time, I had a lot of cash in my pockets. And she found it, and her and my sister-in-law decided that sushi at Okuro Restaurant in Palm Desert every night would be just wonderful. It was good. It was I really bet good. it was good. It was good. So, well, she made it through quite a while. Yeah, so we, we did okay. But in the process, though, of him being transferred to UCLA, my first instinct, and I'll just share back even, too, while he was in critical care unit, I was still working. I was going to work every day, coming over on my lunch, going back to work coming back in the evening until they kicked me out at, I don't know, eight o'clock or so, go home, take care of the dogs, and then still come back to the hospital. I was so afraid to not be there. And I know that there are other people who have experienced this as caretakers for those that have been in the hospital um, or under medical care like this. My biggest fear was missing the doctors and not having an update. Because as you're sitting there, you're just sitting there. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what the update is. You don't know what test results are because they're constantly drawing blood. They're constantly doing things. Um, so th that was really hard for me to be back and forth and not knowing what the status of his health was. Was he getting better? Was he getting worse? Was he staying the same? So 
thank goodness it was close enough for me to do that. But when they moved him to UCLA, that was going to be impossible. We're talking a two and a half to three hour drive from us. Um, we are in a situation where I decided, talked to my management and thank God they were so amazing for us. Sorry, there goes the dogs. They were so amazing that I guess Hazel and Chuck have nothing to say. They were so amazing. They offered me the family medical leave, which I opted not to take. I opted just to take regular leave of absence. And um, so I took a leave of absence. And uh, fortunately, and thank goodness for us, my sister lived in Long Beach. So Long Beach to UCLA was going to be far less of a, of a drive than coming from the Coachella Valley. So I stayed with my sister for it ended up being two more weeks that he was in UCLA and I would drive back and forth to UCLA. And again, still not being able to be there. I'd get up in the morning, I'd leave after the AM traffic um, and I'd spend my entire day there until probably eight o'clock at night, missed the LA traffic mm -hmm. again and drove home. But when you're at UCLA, it's not just one doctor or two doctors, you have a team of doctors, it's a teaching school. So that was a little overwhelming. I'm sure when you first had all those people pop in on you. Um, that was a relief, though. I, pro yeah, I, I was going to say it probably was a relief. So, you know, two more weeks, he was finally discharged. Um, and the discharge process, I, I remember it being so long. It took forever to get to the time of discharge when they said that they were going to release him. Well, I think it was probably like, I don't know, 11 p.m. Well, yeah, because they were waiting for that wound back to come in. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He had to have a wound back because his stomach was still wide open. Um so I want to say it was like 11 p.m. that they discharged mm -hmm. us. Now, mind you, we're in at UCLA in L.A. and uh, Westwood, and we're going to have to drive home to the Coachella Valley, which is a minimum probably of two and a half hours that time of day or evening, nighttime, whatever it was. So we take off and I have I'm taking home a very sick husband, but we just both want to be home. It's been way too long for us to be out of our our own comfort of our own home. So we're driving along and it got to the point where I think there was so much relief that we, for me, that we were leaving and getting back to that I became extremely exhausted mm -hmm. in the drive. And of course I had to drive because Randy couldn't. Um, we got as far as Ontario. Mm -hmm. We were right by Ontario airport. And I just looked at him and I said, I can't drive anymore. I'm seeing lines are blurring, lights are blurring. I just don't feel well to be driving. So we pulled off into one of the hotels right there by the airport. At this time, it's you know 12, 31 o'clock in the morning. And we ask if they have a room. I walk in, left Randy in the car, and they did. So gathered up our stuff. Now, mind you, we didn't have a whole lot, but and Randy's in a walker. And at this point, he's lost 45 pounds. So he looks like a very sick man at this point. We walk in, we get into our room, and we both just crash. And... Uh, I don't think my head even hit the pillow when I was asleep. And that's very rare for me. So I know that the emotional drain and then that whole letdown and relief finally came out. Um, so we stayed there. We got up the next morning. I don't even know if we ate, but we drove home. But the beauty- no, I couldn't. We just went home. Yeah, we just went home. And um, I don't think that that hotel ever charged us mm -hmm. because for whatever reason, we checked in, you know, at one o'clock in the morning and- Maybe they saw him. I don't know, but that was a blessing that. Well, 
I can remember the, the the clerk's eyes popped out of his head when he saw me. Yeah, yeah. So it was that you know there was a lot going on, um, and this all took place over a period of six weeks. So now we get into the part where you know we're talking about the you know healing life recovery, and uh, this is where it all comes together. So. I know for myself, I really didn't know what was going on. We had friends in the medical field that were very concerned for Randy's well-being because they knew just how sick he was because of their knowledge. Um, and I just kept kind of going with the flow. Like you know? one person even said that they've never seen anybody as sick as I was mm -hmm. live. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and this isn't the first time that Randy has had these experiences. Uh, the majority of his life, he's had major events, physical um, medical events. And so again, God was right there with us in this process, um, healing him and uh, letting us really see how God works in and through our lives um, in that healing journey. So we're going to talk to Randy now. I've got some questions. So honey, do you remember, I know this was back in 2007. What did, what was that feeling uh, when you first, when, when you first started getting sick? Do you remember how you were feeling? <clears throat> No, I, I just, I do remember a couple of things. One, I know that I was in the best shape I'd ever been in, mm -hmm. 225 pounds. I'd been working out probably four days a week in the gym, cycling, and I was in the best shape I'd ever been in. Thank God. Mm -hmm. I, I can remember being, uh, going to the surgery, they were going to do laparoscopic surgery. I remember uh, the, the surgeon coming in and saying, Randy, we had to cut you open because you have so much scar tissue, I couldn't get to your bladder. Mm, yeah, I, I remember that, right? And I just said whatever. And then <clears throat> that's about the extent of of what I remember. I remember going back to sleep. Um, I can vaguely remember people coming in and out of the hospital room that week. Mm -hmm. um, One thing that I will say that I do remember too, um, when you started to go downhill, when you were still up on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember Scott being with you or being in the room with yeah. us when we got the news that they were going to have to transfer you to CCU. And he stayed with us mm -hmm. that entire time. Mm -hmm. And he went downstairs with us when they admitted you there. And, right. you know, he's a pastor, a pastor friend of ours. And so, <laughs> the, you know, one of those things where, again, God lined up the right people to be with us in that moment. Right, exactly. Um, I, I, I mean, I do remember people coming to see me. Um, I remember, I felt like I was on fire all the time, mm. getting lots of pain medicine. Um, and and the story about that nurse is that the floor nurses that Saturday morning, they were short floor floor nurses, so they brought, brought up an ICU nurse. That's right. To be, and as soon as she walked in my, now this is what I've been told. Um, as soon as she walked in the room and saw me, she walked right back out and started hammering. This was like seven o'clock in the morning. And started hammering the doctors until they finally moved me down about noon, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. It's yeah, about midday, yeah. yeah. Um, I was burning up, I was really hot. I can remember, I, I can still see it. I can remember they, they wheeled me down into the ICU, and there was three or four nurses that surrounded me saying they were going to take me. I just thought they were angels. I said, man, I thought it went to heaven. Right? I, I can remember it, you know. I just, man, I, and, 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 and the doctor said something to me. I can't remember what he, oh, no. So they had me in there for a while, and he says, Randy, we're going to have to take you in the surgery and open you up again. And, and I can remember I said, well, do what you got to do, doc. Just don't let me die. 
Mm. And I remember, I remember you telling me when I said that, yep. that gave you all the hope in the world. It did. And it was like, thank God he's sober, because if he wasn't sober, I would have never heard be. those words. No, and I, I don't think he'd be here. You'd be here today. No, in fact, I said, don't let me die because I have too much to live for. Yeah, right? exactly. And that was like, oh, my real right. husband is here. You know, that was probably even even that first year of recovery that that was like the biggest relief right. of knowing that your recovery was in action. Right. And I remember you telling me that they had to put me and I, I don't remember it happening. I think maybe because I was out. Mm -hmm. They had to put I was burning up so hot they had to put me in an ice bath to get my temperature down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they did. Um so I, I I probably when I came out of surgery they put me in that coma, I think. I can't remember. Yeah, I think I, it was I, after I that. But <clears throat> I I can remember at one point, um I believe when I was in the coma. I had I had a body experience where I was looking over my body and what I thought was the nurse's station. And this was in my head. And I can remember, you know, that that weak crying voice, please somebody tell me what's happening to me. I don't understand. I'm scared what's happening to me. I can remember it distinctively. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if it was a dream, but it didn't feel like a dream. It felt real that I want to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. You talked about, you know, people praying for. So, so well, let me just okay, yeah, go that too. Yeah. yeah. So in this time, now, mind you, he'd been in his recovery journey for a year and he was very diligent about his recovery, right. seven, 13 meetings a week, whatever it was. So the relationships over this next year, we talk about community a lot, the relationships that had been formed over that year of your sobriety was huge in this time. And so one of these quote unquote life recovery tools is to surround yourself with a community of like-minded people. And again, thank God huh. you were in recovery because we had a huge community of people. If, if I remember right, I think you, you tell me that, or somebody tell me that one of the nurses asked, who are all these yep. people out in the hallway waiting for Randy? And they just sleep there. And Kathy said, they're all his, his recovery friends. Yeah. And, these, and she goes, They'd be sitting on the floor in the and, hallway. And the nurse didn't say a word after. No. She goes, they can stay there as long as they want. Yeah. No. no, and there was a couple of them we were able to get in because we said they were your brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, well, it, you know, that recovery, those recovery tools that we keep talking about, these are life recovery tools. This is not just recovery of drugs and alcohol, but really having people in your life that are going to journey with you. And that's what these people were. So... <clears throat> There's there's a lot that happened. I remember waking up out of and and out of the coma. Well, I remember the first time they tried to wake me up out of the coma. Yeah, that didn't right? go well. No, it didn't go well at all. <laughs> they took the the out the the, the 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 breathing tube out of me, right? And killed the killed the purple bowl. And I sat up and I'm sitting there for I think they said about five minutes, and all of a sudden I couldn't breathe. And about that same time, the ER doctor walked through, or the IC the CCU doctor walked through and said, "Put him back down now." But that feeling of not being able to breathe, was, mm. oh, I don't wish that on nobody. Yeah. Um, I can remember Deborah, my, my, art, my art therapist, came in to visit me. And, and she, um, I asked her this later, because what I saw Deborah was there. I knew it was Deborah, but she was in a, in a, in a long, <laughs> I thought, black, like shawl that, you know, it was like a cape type thing, right? I can remember asking Deborah, when you came, were you dressed like this? She goes, no. 
<laughs> yeah, you were on some good meds there. I got some good meds. I mean, you know, I can remember when I woke up too, they had me on a lot of Dilaudin. I mean, a lot of Dilaudin because of the pain that was in. And um, Kathy said I'd be swatting at stuff. She goes, what are you swatting at? Well, I'm not a block factory swatting at butterflies. Yeah. You know, so, you know, the, the, the recovery was, like say, I at the one at the first hospital, if, if they want to move me to uh, UCLA, I would have died. Mm, yeah, I think so too. And I can remember, and I'll, and I'll tell you this: I remember the first time. Naturally, you got they got to get your bowels moving, they got to get your urine moving, they got to do all. The first time I went poop, the first time I had a bowel movement. <laughs> now we're talking poop. Okay, now we're talking poop, and it was a big thing. Believe me, when Randy pooped, it was all over. There Facebook. were cheerleaders oh, no. everywhere. <laughs> But I went, I was going to wipe my, my own, my, I was going to wipe myself. Mm. And no, Mel, there was a nurse. In male there. nurse. It, it was a male nurse. Had to wipe for me. Oh, I was like, this is like humiliating. Because you're weak. I mean, you're really, you're really yeah. down to nothing. So going back to the prayer too, it's like, even during a coma, and I heard this recently on another podcast, is that the presence, the, the prayers that were being said for me were literally all over the world. Somebody had was over in Jerusalem, had taken my name and put it on the wailing wall. Mm -hmm. So because of the AA communities all over the world, prayers were coming from me all over the world. And, and I've told several people that during my stay, even in the coma, I felt the presence that I couldn't explain mm -hmm. of peace. Beautiful. Right? Um, so then, you know, the, it was actually the, the, the surgeon and the... And the um, um, infectious disease doctor that got in a pissing match right and decided w to send you away well yeah because the, the 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 infectious disease doctor wanted to open me back up the surgeon said if i open back up he's going to die for sure and it just got back and forth yeah. so the surgeon made the decision to send me to ucla yeah. so they transferred me to ucla right and i still hadn't been the homage way i lost in the middle of the night and i can remember in the morning waking up and i hear them talking outside my room and I'm talking about my colon. I go, oh no, don't tell me I got issues. Don't tell me colon. Don't tell me anything about my colon. I was fearful. And what had happened was, is the surgeon had perforated my colon when he inserted the drain tubes. Yeah. And that was one of the main issues. But Dr. Cryer, right, and his team of students, they were phenomenal, absolutely wonderful mm -hmm. team of students. He came in and he says, you know, Randy, you're really sick. But the body can heal. It's amazing how the body can heal itself. But we're going to have to do some things, and you're going to have to work with us on it. And basically what that was, they had me on lipids. What was the other one? They had two different they, uh, yeah, they, lipids and one other IV was, fluid, yeah. food, right? They pulled me off the one, and then they, they started giving me solid foods very slowly. Yeah. And <clears throat> so within two weeks... I was I was strong enough to where they could send me home. And you were able to eat a meal for the first time over that two week period. It built up to that, right. so that's because, where the strength came. Honestly, Eisenhower was trying to force food down my throat to get me out of the hospital, yeah. and I just wasn't ready for no. it. No, nor and you had that perforated colon, which wasn't right. helping. Right, was, wasn't helping. It was kind of counter reacting. Exactly. Everything. As a matter of fact, the doctors even told you I was mental. They, they, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we all know that. Yeah, we all know that. But <laughs> no, they 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 actually told Kathy. I can remember you telling me that they thought I was I was a mental case, yeah. and it's like he shouldn't be this way. It's like, well, you guys are making me this way. Yeah, right? yeah. There was a lot going on. So, like Kathy said, I didn't realize how much weight I lost. I was extremely weak. Mm -hmm. um, 
I got home, right? And I can remember looking in the mirror and going, oh my God, what happened to me? Yeah. I will never, ever be the same again. I'm done. So, I'm the, done. yeah. So this is where your, your feelings, all of a sudden the reality of right. what happened over those six weeks all came to one place. Right. Because... Yeah, because in the meantime, we the people that came to see us, except for a couple, were nothing but pos- positive towards right. they, they were just they brought in nothing but positive feelings, even though they see they saw how sick I was. They, they that didn't bother them. They were just there to be there for me and feel me. And when you're in a hospital bed for six weeks, yeah. there's no mirror around. You have no, you have nothing to look at to even. Right. I mean, I guess if you got up to go to the bathroom, but you don't. That whole physical and at that point, it's not until you're in your own environment. I no. think that you realize the reality. And I think you and I have realized over time that, and even some of the nurses will say that, the best place to heal is at home. As at home, yeah. And that's where the healing yeah. really starts to take. So place. when you so when we got home, um, I. I think I stayed home again for a little bit. I was still on my leave of absence. And I think I stayed home for another week or two just to make sure uh, we were getting home health care as yeah. well, checking in yeah. on you because you still had an open wound. I had the wound back on me. Yeah. yeah, you said the wound back. So we had people coming in and oh boy, that was another project. That thing would go off in the middle of the night. I'd have to wake up, change the sponges. And mm-hmm. I learned how to be a nurse. You know, I learned a lot in this part of uh, our journey. But, you know, over time, you started to regain your physical uh, strength. Yeah. And so what, what was that like for you knowing that, you know, you're healthy, you work out, you eat well. Well, at first it was like, what happened? Yeah. Like I said, I I looked in the mirror, I said, I'm never going to be the same Randy again. Yeah. Physically. Right. In a lot of ways, I'm not the same Randy as I was, you know, but I, I, what I saw was in my eyes, what, what I saw was an old decrepit man ready to die. Mm. Right. And I can remember Garrett. He came over, my son, they came over to, you know, to see, see us. And I was able at that time to at least walk out front. And he looked at me and he says, hey, mom, look at, if I had a pair of Levi's on. Shorts. Shorts. No, they're pants. These were pants. Oh. Right. They're pants. And, but my butt was gone. I lost all my butt because I lost, you know, about 45 pounds. And he goes, look, it's a frog standing up. Remember that? Yeah, something along those lines. His little legs were little skinny legs were sticking out, and his butt was gone, and he looked like a little frog. It was hilarious. I mean, it gave me some laugh. Yeah, but the one thing I had is I had people bringing me over lots of food. Yeah, which was nice, but sometimes I look back now, I was like, nah, I wish you would have brought me so much food, (laughs) you know, and the kind of food they brought me. But I would have to. It didn't. I needed it, right? But getting my physical part back, I can remember we would go for walks. Mm-hmm. And it was hard for me at first to make it to our neighbor's house. Yeah. Then it was hard. The next to, door neighbor. Next door neighbor. Right. Yeah. Then it was to the corner of the cul-de-sac, which was two and a half houses. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I can remember we walked to the mail. The first time you said, let's walk to the mailbox. And I can remember walking. We walked to the end of the cul-de-sac. And then we walked down in front of um. Oh. Salazar's Salazar's house, and I saw the mailbox, and I said, "I can't go any farther." I could not. I didn't. I and that was not. literally across the street. But it looked to be miles away yeah. in my eyes. Is yeah. What I saw. So it was that that constant walking, daily walking, pushing yourself, pushing myself to walk when I didn't want to walk. Now, mind you, I had a moon vac that I had carried. You know, I had to carry around with me as well. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I can remember, well, you know, when some of this happens to us, sometimes we wonder why, mm -hmm. right? Now, there's a lot of reasons, but there's one story that I'll never forget. <clears throat> there was a lady in AA. Um, mm -hmm. I can't remember her name. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But she had cancer. And, and one of the ladies, another lady in, in AA, that, our coffee lady, she called me up. She goes, Randy, so-and-so is on morphine. And she drove herself to a meeting. I go, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Can you and Kathy go to this meeting? And can you pick, get with her and drive her home and have Kathy follow you? I go, absolutely, I'll do that. So for about a month or two prior to me getting sick, I was I would go every morning to pick her up mm -hmm. and take her to the AA meeting, and then I would take her home. Right. Right. And so when I went in the hospital, um, I didn't know I was going to be in there for six weeks. And then when they when I was in the coma, they needed somebody else to take care of her, and his name was Michael. That's all I can say is Michael. Right. And he was sitting at in. The day they announced that they needed somebody else to take care of her because I couldn't, mm -hmm. right? He was going to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. He was going to kill himself. It was he. He told me I was going to kill myself. Man. But when they announced that that this person, I can't remember her name, needed help to and from, you saved my life because I became a service to her. This is where the community comes this into play. Like, it's why it's so important right, to have a community right. of people in your life, no matter, because you never know when you're going to need them. Right. And but you it, never know when you're going to help somebody else along the way. And, and I don't think once, Kathy, that because this is a year in my recovery, I was redeveloping. I had reconnected with God in a really intimate way. You mm -hmm. know that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think once that we really questioned God and, you know, Wait a minute, man. I mean, Randy's doing all this stuff, and now this happens to him. How many more times? God, what is it? You know, why are you doing it? We never question that. No. So it was just <clears throat> going from that fear of I'm never going to be the same, mm -hmm. having support around me, having people come over to the house to walk with me, yeah. right? Different people. Come on, Randy, let's go for a walk, right? So I would just start by the walking, carrying them around this this um wound back. This, this wound back. We'd go out to dinner, and it that was hard because, you know, we were pretty well known in the valley. Going out to dinner to places that we frequent, frequent a lot. Yeah. And here I am, this decrepit-looking old man, but I wasn't old, carrying a wound back, right? But I, I just worked through all those emotional challenges um, one day at a time. Yeah. I can remember walking in the gym, right? And people, you know, they, they looked at me. And they didn't recognize me. Yeah. And I would have to say, hey, it's Randy. I had this wound vac on me. And I'm just going to the gym, doing what I can to start building up my strength again. Yeah. Right? So it, it was like, am I going to stay a victim? But here I go again. Another catastrophe in my life. Why is this always happening to me? All I want to do is be healthy and help people and help myself, be, be a good husband, be, be a good father. Why is this stuff always happening to me, right? You know, it, I didn't, I never went there. No, and that that was huge, and I think that is because as a direct result of the journey you had been on the year on that year right. of your own right. journey of recovery. And I think the the one thing that's really important to you know when we're in these situations, like you said, you didn't think you'd ever be normal again. Right. 
you know, we have to remember that all things are temporary. And right. this was a temporary situation. If I think back, I mean, that's 16 years ago. Look at the things that you have been right. able to do in 16 years. Not only have you continued on your recovery journey, you have ridden your bicycle from Indio, California to Pennsylvania. And from Seattle. And then from Seattle to San Diego. You have five grandchildren now. Mm -hmm. um, you have, you've been riding thousands of miles on mm -hmm. a bicycle. And so I think that's the, the biggest thing is if any, it's for anybody listening, if you are in a, um, a physical space right now, if you have some medical issues going on, they don't last forever. And the, the main thing is like, we, we talk about these recovery tools is having a community around you that will be there to support you. Um, your family. And I'm going to just say, as the caretaker, we have to learn to take care of ourselves as Dear well in that process. And that is really hard to do. And I have been that caretaker on a few occasions with Randy. And that's one of the biggest things that I can offer is remembering that it is okay to take care of yourself. It is okay to go out and take a walk. Make sure you shower. We had right. friends recently right. in the last, in August went through that. And I would say, okay, did you shower today? What did you eat today? Mm -hmm. Oh, Albert picked me up. Albert went to Chick-fil-A. Okay. What did you eat? <laughs> you know? And so it's one of those things where you just have to constantly be reminded that it's okay to take care of yourself as a it, caretaker. It, it was like when Kathy, we were being transferred, we were going to be transferred to UCLA. And Kathy sat with me that day. She goes, Randy, well, I can't do this. I can't. You can be what am I going to do then? I just sat with her, right? Because she was in pain. She'd sat by me for you know, four weeks going through this, what's going to happen to my husband, right? And I said, Kathy, take a leave of absence. You're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Take the leave of absence. Yeah. I don't want you driving up here every single day from Coachella Valley, right? You do what you got to do to keep yourself healthy. And the thing about it is that Fidelity, Fidelity was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, no, they were great. They, they were, were great so good. Um, and, the, you know, the, the other part, like with healing, I can remember that November, it was 2007. I had drawn a deer tag. Me and Garrett both drew deer mm. tags in Colorado. Yeah. All right. And, and long. And then we also were going to elk hunt. And that was in November, right, of 2007. And so I was seeing Dr. Cryer at UCLA. They they got the point to where the wound's not going to close up anymore. We're going to take take the wound back off of you. We're going to let things settle down. And then after the first year, we're going to get you back in here. We're going to remove the mesh that they put in there. And we're going to close you up and blah blah blah. And I, and I asked Doc Cryer, I says, I have a hunting trip planned into Colorado in November. Am I going to be okay going on that hunting trip? Now, mind you, right, there's a lot of hiking involved in hunting. We were in Colorado in a high country. And altitude is altitude, there. Altitude, <laughs> everything. And I got myself back into shape even at this point. I think I'm, I wasn't riding my bike yet because I had the wound drive. But... Um, he said, absolutely, you can go on. Mm -hmm. Just what I want you to do is every day, make sure you take HIPAA cleanse and make sure every day mm -hmm. you clean your wound very good, yeah. right? But absolutely go hunting. You're fine. Do what you got to do and, and enjoy you and your son's time. Yeah. Remember that? And so, and so that was an emotional, that was a mental lift for you knowing do, that okay yeah. i can start doing things right. that i love to do exactly and so that's that's where it comes down to you know we know that things don't last forever were you at full strength absolutely not but you were strong enough to be able well, thank to god that for jared trip. he carried that yeah. elk out of the canyon yeah. <laughs> but they did get enough of that trip so as we close this out Rand, what 
what is something that you can bring anybody that's been challenged with anything medical in their life, whether it's been a short-term medical thing or something that might be long-term or, or maybe more permanent because there are some permanent medical issues. What, what can you leave with them that will give them hope on their journey? Your, the, the, our attitudes have so much to do with our Beautiful. You, ha you absolutely have a right to feel, um, I don't want to say sorry for yourself, but but to, to feel like- And why, allow yourself- uh, to, to allow yourself to feel like kind of go through some suffering pain. Because we have to remember that when we become that sick, we're losing a part of us, right? And it's, it's grief, right? So we have to be allowed to go through those feelings. Make sure that you surround yourself with a community of people that understand that, that you're not a victim, that you're going through these things and they and you feel these certain feelings, mm -hmm. you know, almost every day. So, and then from that point on, allow yourself to feel them, find somebody that you can talk to about how you feel and then move, move on, right? Work through the process. Don't stay stuck in the quagmire of victimhood. Okay. Cause it's really easy to do, right? And do what you got to do for yourself. Yes. Take your doctor's advice. The one thing that I hear a lot of in recovery stuff, with especially in physical recovery, is people do not do their home therapy. And I had a lot of stuff we had to do at home, yep. correct? So we have to follow the doctor's orders. Be proactive as Kathy, as a partner, as Kathy was, and in, in, in what's going on. Kathy actually knew a little bit more. I don't know if she knew more, but she knew enough to really throw the doctors for a curve, um, especially when it came to pain meds. They would, always, yeah, they yeah. would always ask questions. Are you a nurse? Yeah, <laughs> no, right. been so, around. So be proactive, right? Yeah. It's it's. I think too one thing that's really important to think of that that in this closing out is have somebody to advocate with you and for you. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do it alone. If you are the person that's experiencing the the health issue. Get somebody you trust to advocate you, with you. You, you. Matter of fact, you shouldn't do it yourself because yeah. you need to take that energy that you might be putting into advocating for yourself. That energy needs to go into your healing. Yeah, that's The it. home nurse told me something really important, and, and I felt it right I, before she said nothing. During your healing journey, it takes a while. And then you're gonna, you might wake up one day. This is what she told me. Randy, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to feel like you can conquer the world. Almost. Mm, I was yep. like, man, I feel great today. Let's go do this. Blah, 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 blah. And you do it. And it's like, what did I just do? And then the next day, right, you're going to feel like, what happened? Yesterday, I felt like I conquered the world. And today, right, I feel like I'm back in it. That's part of the healing cycle. That's part of the healing journey. Yeah. Right. So, so don't let those days discourage. No, don't, don't don't you know, don't let them don't be discouraged. Do your part, ask questions. Um, eat healthy is mm -hmm. really important. Um, get on a good uh vitamin good get some good healthy vitamins and get on a good regimen of health and wellness, food and and uh supplements. Supplements. Mm -hmm. They're all gonna help you. Yeah, absolutely gonna help you. And Understand that today you feel this way, tomorrow's going to be different. Yeah, and be okay with that. And be okay. And with you learn it. to learn to be okay right. with that. Yeah. 
That's good. This is good. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think a lot of people go through these types of health issues and uh, if we don't talk about them, we, we can't share experiences. So that was kind of why I thought this mm -hmm. was a good one to talk about. Well, you, you know, you were real good with, with Albert and Lauren. Mm -hmm. And I, I even, I told Kathy, I said, you need to go to Texas and you need to spend time with Lauren because they really needed Kathy to be there for her. Mm -hmm. Kathy was that advocate. Kathy was the one going, did you eat today? Did you shower today? She made sure that those things were happening because a spouse, right, of, of a partner or the mother of a child, they get so caught up in what's going on with their loved one, they forget about taking yeah. care of themselves. And I honestly would say that had I not experienced this with you, yeah. I couldn't be that support to Lauren right. and Albert in that right. moment. Right. So, you know, sometimes we question why, God, why are these things happening? I am grateful that I have been able to experience this with you. Of course, I'm even more grateful that we have survived it and come out on the other side of it. Um, but yeah, this it, is just good. And, and look, at, it will be revealed somewhere along your life mm -hmm. why you went through what you went through. Absolutely. You know, and it could be as simple as somebody else's life needs to be saved. Mm -hmm. at, and that's just the way it is. Based on your experience. Based on, based on my experience, yep. that's, that's the way it is. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, we hope that this was helpful um, and gave you some thoughts. If you've been in it, uh, you understand it. If you haven't experienced this mm -hmm. and you experience it someday, we hope that the, you know, some of these nuggets and things that we shared will be helpful tools. And I'll just say it, you know, if you are have experienced anything like this and you're still struggling with what you said, the grief, the grief of a, of a medical issue or maybe a loved one. You know, the Heal and Restore Counseling is here to help you walk through that. We can we can journey with you yeah, in that process absolutely. as well. And as well as any, uh, if you're struggling in relationships, in your marriage, if you've had trauma of the past, uh, whether it be medical, physical, emotional, spiritual, sexual, any of those things, Randy's uh, been through that and he can journey with you as well. So. I journey with the couples all the time yeah, too, which absolutely. is marriage is a real error really important yeah. and uh, before we close out i just want to give our plug to our uh, how to heal and restore your marriage book that is out on amazon um you can get that on amazon pick it up if you uh, have already gotten your book thank you so much if you would be so kind to leave a review mm -hmm. on amazon we would be forever grateful that'll help uh help us in right. that part of our journey as well so anything else you want to close with no, I, I think that's it. Perfect. I think that's I it. Think so, it was good. Yeah, you know, I'd like to say if you if you need for some guidance or some help in, in your life, um, be sure to visit healingrestorecounseling.com. Yep. And we have a free 45 minute discovery session for you. And just click on it. There's a calendar you can click on and set up a date, and then we'll reach out to you and we'll schedule that 45 minute um discovery no, yeah. session no i love that discovery no session yeah. there's so much to discover right yeah, exactly and make sure you know we do that we want to make sure that we're right fit yep absolutely okay. so remember this if nobody else tells you they love you today randy does kathy does but more importantly god does be blessed everybody have a wonderful week be blessed this has been the heal and restore podcast with Randy and Kathy Boyd. We'll have a new episode every Monday. Please like us and be sure to press the follow button on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and five other platforms. If you'd like to know more about the services Randy and Kathy offer, please visit them at healandrestorecounseling.com. Thank you for spending time with us, and we'll see you next week. And remember, 
If nobody tells you they love you today, Randy and Kathy do.